Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is Jeff Fanner. Jeff, how you doing? Wonderful, Anthony. Well, thank you for joining us. Jeff, how long do we go back? 20 years? Yeah, about 20 years. So wow. we're almost a, like half of my life. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're getting old. We're yeah. getting old. And we could tell stories of Val and the zoo and snakes that don't exist, but no one on the podcast would understand that except us. The, the snake exists, though. Just in case Val listens to this, the snake exists. Yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That, that will be the little Easter egg for Val only. Well, thanks for being here. We're going to talk about your career path a little bit, but you recently took a new job. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, so I, I have the pleasure of working for R.R. Donnelly. I'm a vice president of sales. Um, I focus on the education space to try to expand kind of our reach with uh, colleges and universities across the country. R.R. Donnelly is the largest printer in North America, but as I think we're going to talk throughout this conversation, there's a lot more that R.R. Donnelly does in that space. Um, so I'm kind of a subject matter expert. I don't know that I call myself like a direct salesperson. Um, as I tell schools that I meet with, I'm, I'm not here to sell you something. I'm here more to learn about what you're doing and maybe where there's opportunities that we can partner with you and be more of a strategic partner as you look at the whole uh, student-customer journey. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about what positions you as an expert in higher ed because you spent a lot of your career there. But I want to start at the beginning. And you have a super interesting career path because you've done some very different things. But start, if you can, about growing up in Illinois, what you were thinking about career-wise, where you went from there, and, and how that changed over time. Yeah, when I grew up in Illinois, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a sports writer. Um, when I worked in high school, I wrote sports, high school sports for what was the third largest newspaper in the state of Illinois behind the Chicago Tribune and Chicago Sun-Times. So I was in the newsroom seeing these uh, folks writing for the Chicago Bulls, the Blackhawks, the Cubs, and the White Sox, and the Bears. And, and that's what I wanted to be. Uh, when I went to Indiana University, um, great journalism school, and I went to go work at the student paper there, um, they looked at my resume and said, oh my, you've written for a very large paper. We're going to put you on some pretty low beats here to start as a freshman. You might be overqualified for this, and I don't know if you're going to like doing what we're doing, uh, what you're doing. So the beats they had assigned me to, which I don't remember exactly where, I knew I didn't have much interest in those. Yeah. So I said, I, I need to find a different path. And at that time, I knew some folks who uh, had worked for the Chicago White Sox, and um, his son, who I went to high school with, said, you should look at media relations. You know, go on the other side of the wall mm -hmm. and basically serve the media. Yeah. So I, I went into the athletic department at IU, and Eric Rudin, who was there as the assistant um, SID, sports information director, um, brought me on as a volunteer, and I worked as a freshman in the uh, IU athletic department in media relations and was on the other side of the fence serving the media and work with them and kind of work throughout um, media relations. So my, my goal, Anthony, was to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I was kind of told um, at the Indiana Daily Student, hey, I don't know that we have a good beat for you, which was a blessing for me. It, yeah. it, it routed me in another direction. So, you know, kudos and thank you to them. And in the end, I had to serve those IDS reporters um, uh, and made my role ultimately where I landed at IU. So it was, yeah. it was, an, it was a nice career transition at a very early age to yeah. make a transition like that. Yeah, well, and sometimes, and, and this is something I was just talking about with someone this morning, sometimes getting, you know, a no in the thing you think you want sends you on the right path. Sometimes you need that push from the universe. So one of the things you did at IU, I, I want to hear more about what you did at IU, but one of the people you got to work with was Bobby Knight. And, you know, as someone who's not from Indiana, it strikes me how much of a mythical person he is. You know, I, my son and I were at a restaurant 
And I said, like, in a lot of households in Massachusetts, even today, there's a picture of JFK on the wall. In a lot of restaurants in Indiana, for, for no other reason other than his, his mythic status, there's a picture of Bobby Knight on the wall. So what was that like, and how did that fit into your experience of working for IU? Yeah, so it was interesting. I, I had worked at, at IU in multiple positions um, in the athletic department and in media relations where I had worked and then taken another job and then gone back. And ultimately— uh, my boss there at the time, Kit Klinghoffer, had reached out to me when I was working in um, – I was in Massachusetts. I was an ice hockey commissioner at a collegiate ice hockey conference. He reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in coming back to IU? I'm thinking about making a career change and working more in uh, the event portion of the athletic department. Love for you to come back and consider kind of running the media relations department. And went back and forth, said yes, said no, said yes, said no, and then ultimately decided uh, for my wife and I would be a good opportunity because – you know, we had just gotten married, and this would be a good place because my parents lived in Indiana, and so we chose to move back. Um, so I was there and oversaw the department in Coach Knight's uh, final year. Not obviously going there, didn't know it was going to be his final year. Um, and one of my team members uh, was the direct contact with basketball and working with Coach Knight. Uh, but when I got there um, on one of the first road trips, because basketball and football, they overlap, um, so the first road trip, which oddly enough was to Texas Tech, hmm. where Coach Knight ended up, hmm. um, I needed to make the trip with them and go on the plane and travel with the team and be that liaison to the media there. Well, it was taking forever for me to meet Coach, because you don't just walk up to Coach's office and say, hey, I need a meeting with Coach Knight. Someone, there needs to be someone in between that gets you the meeting with him. Well, the first time I met him, um, he's the most intimidating human I've ever met in my life, probably. And but I was he just laid into me about what took so long for you to come meet me, what took so long you're gonna go on a trip with us. I don't even know what took so long to come up to my office. And again, I needed someone to meet me. And I kind of stood up and defended myself, kind of somewhat a little bit, saying, Well, you know, my boss needed to introduce me, we didn't get a chance to meet. And and I remember my boss was kind of tugging on the back of my shirt, so defending <laughs> myself, like, hey, you might want to lay off. We got down to the bottom of the stairs. We got to the cave, which is what Coach Knight's office off the court was called, the cave. And um, he said, all right, well, you know, you'll meet for the plane at this time. Yeah, and he gave me a, a, a pat on the back. Oh, and, no, a slap on the back. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it, it, you felt it. And I got back up to my office, and he called my boss. Coach Knight called my boss and said, hey, that fanner kid's going to be okay. Um, so I think there was some level of, I, I stood up for myself yeah. at that moment. So anyway, working throughout that year, obviously not what I expected, mm-hmm. everything that was yeah. through during that time. Yeah. I will tell you, um, so I just, I got, I got to work with him for, uh, a year and, and, and be able to go to practices and go to games and, you know, work with the team. And predominantly I worked, you know, with the players and, um, to prepare them for interviews and the such, and obviously coach did what he was going to do with interviews. We didn't, we didn't, accessibility of our players was pretty limited. We mm-hmm. didn't, didn't allow uh, a lot of interviews yeah. with our players at the direction of coach, but he, uh, he was so respectful of, of me. Um, I think uh, there were times where he would joke. I felt very comfortable um, and at times uncomfortable around him <laughs> um, because you didn't know what to expect. You yeah. go to practice and you'd be sitting there because you're told, you know, you're, you stand on the court and watch practice, and then the managers would come out and say, Coach wants everyone in the stands. Get out of here. <laughs> okay, I'll go sit in the stands now. But um, he, um, I remember one time, Anthony, uh, the story I often tell with people is I, I had to pick him up at the airport when we were playing the NSA tournament at Buffalo. 
And um, he's somebody who he never wanted to get lost. Like mm. he never wanted, if you're the bus and you're in traffic, he'd try to take the bus driver off the route. <laughs> you just don't get lost with the guy. So the day before I drove the route from this, it was a small airport, this mini airport back to the arena seven times to make sure I knew where I was going. I'm all prepared to go. Yeah. It's that morning. It's in Buffalo. It's March. Yeah. And it's snowing like crazy. <laughs> oh, God. I go to pick him up, and there were a few others in the car with us, and we... Um, well, first off, one of the people in the car forgot to shut the trunk, so we're pulling away, and the trunk pops open, and I'm coach is next to me in the car. I'm like, oh, this is great. Then we're coming up on a light, and it's snowing, and, I, and it goes to red, and I'm like, do I stop? Do I go? What do I do here? And I, you know, if, hopefully there's no bu- Buffalo police license. I, I, I blew through the we red. We strong contingent of Buffalo <laughs> right. Yeah, I blew through the red light, and coach looked over at me and said, I like the way he drives. <laughs> I'm like I'm in, but later that day he had um, he had misplaced a paperback book he was reading, and uh, I was trying to find it for him. I went back into the car to look for it, and he found it in his coat. And I came back in, and he apologized left and right. I'm so sorry I had to go out in the snow to look for that, and it was in my coat. It's my fault. But you know, then it was that trip where the world started to you know, kind mm-hmm. of turn upside yeah. down on us as all these findings came come out. And it was, yeah. it was a difficult situation. So, so you're sort of baptism by fire because you're working with national media at that point. What, what's that like? What are some of the best things about it and the worst things about it? Um, worst things about it were um, you had national media who were more of the news folks. Mm-hmm. And not that the news people are bad. It's just you didn't have a relationship with the news people. Yeah. Your relationship was with the sports people. Yeah. So you had a lot of people coming in that you didn't have a relationship with. Um, and things are starting to kind of be held back from the media a bit more than what we were probably holding them or yeah. what, what, the way we were operating. And to try to convince others, we needed to make sure these sports people had what they need because I had a relationship with them after all this ended into yeah. place. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. There were so many cameras. I, I literally found out after, after the termination and then the decisions made to hire coach Davis, um, because, Media was following us around the building so much, and every time I would get up to go walk in the AD's department, there were cameras everywhere. Literally, I was told in the men's bathroom that we were going to, that Coach Davis was going to be hired as a coach after myself and the AD looked to make sure nobody was in any of the stalls. And then he informed me what the game plan was going to be. So we met in the men's bathroom. <laughs> Man, jeez. Yeah. Neat yeah. experience. So, so overall, how long are you at IU in that, in that part of your career? I was there um, at that part of my career. I'd been there in multiple other uh, settings. But in that part of my career, it was four years. And in, there, in that time, I uh, went through – um, three athletic directors, two football coaches, and two basketball coaches. Wow. Coaches. That's a wow. lot of change. Yeah. So there's something you mentioned that I don't want to gloss over. I want to go back to and It was your stint as the commissioner of a hockey league. How does that happen with someone who, you know, you don't have a hockey background yeah. other than as a fan? Right. So how do, how do you become the commissioner of a hockey league? So this is, I mean, this is advice certainly I would give to people. It's all about connections. Yeah. I worked at Colgate University as my first full-time job. Yeah. The athletic director at Colgate University at the time was Mark Murphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark had played football at Colgate. He had played for the Washington Redskins. Today he's the president of the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. Actually, Mark Murphy is who I wanted to be. I wanted to be an athletic director at a small school after mm-hmm. I interacted and worked with him. He be, he was on the search committee for the commissioner of the ECAC hockey, which Colgate played in, mm-hmm. along with the Ivy League schools and a variety of other different schools. He had um, at least asked me the question, hey, would you be interested in a job like this? I told him that thing is so far over my head. There's no yeah. way I'd be qualified. And how old are you at this point? I was 25 Jeez. years old. Wow, man. Um, <laughs> so what made it happen is I clearly it wasn't my experience because you looked at my experience. I worked – 
in media relations at Colgate University, and I worked in media relations at Indiana University. Why ever would this guy be chosen as an ice hockey commissioner? Yeah. Mark certainly helped me get the interview, and then there were a committee of athletic directors from different schools. And the takeaway, I remember it was an athletic director from UMass Boston after um, – I was done with the interview. She's like, "What do you um, like? What do you eat and drink in the morning for breakfast?" I'm like, "This is the strangest <laughs> question I've ever been asked." And I said, "Well, this morning I think I had this." She goes, "Well, I'm going to start doing that because your energy level is so high, and, and I want to be like you, energy level wise." And I think that's what got, I yeah. really came in prepared, yeah. and 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 you know I won the job that way, and and I remember beating out. Um, Somebody for the job who had played hockey at Harvard and was a, wow. a GM at a minor league hockey team. And wow. I took the job and I walked out of the job and uh, when I was offered the job and I looked at my wife and I said, I have no idea how I'm going to do this job, but here we go. <laughs> so so you're at IU, then you're at Colgate, then you're the commissioner of the hockey league, then you're back at IU. Yes. Okay. So then you go to Ivy Tech, correct? Yes. And how does that transition happen? And tell us what that was like because you were at Ivy Tech for 20 years? Uh, yeah, 18 years. Yeah. About 18 years. All right. So so tell us about all that. So uh, I I chose to leave IU to go to Ivy Tech because um, the year IU went to the Final Four, Coach Davis was coach, Final Four in Atlanta. We lost in the National Championship to Maryland. Um, we had our daughter, Alexandria, who uh, Allie is now um, 20 and uh, going to be a junior at Miami of Ohio. Um, but we started to reassess this athletic thing for me is the right thing to do, starting a family and things like that. And, and, and honestly, Anthony, my gut said, yeah, it is. I, I want to be an athletic director one day. That's my plan. We had gone through change at IU, um, now on the third athletic director, all good people, mm-hmm. just, you know, different perspectives, yeah. different thoughts. And I said to myself, I'm going to step away from this for a minute and I'm going to see what it's like not to be an athletics. Yeah. And, and my wife, Valerie said, you know, y- you'll be back in a year. Um, so I, I took an opportunity at Ivy Tech Community College, literally, um, you know, found the job in a print ad, I think, in the Indy Star, to tell yeah. you the truth. <laughs> yeah. Applied for it, took the job there, and it was really to step away from athletics to see what it was like. Um, had so many great opportunities at Ivy Tech. Uh, worked as a senior vice president for enrollment services, worked for three different presidents there, different transitions mm-hmm. and the kind of what it was at IU where they weren't abrupt and they were retirements and, and you know, understood there was going to be a change. Yeah. Um, and then vice president of marketing communications, and then uh, decided after... Um, quite some time there, I felt like I had, you, you never can do everything you can accomplish, yeah. but I felt like I accomplished a lot. Yeah. And I had probably at this point in my career, a three to five year window where I would have the energy to try something new and, and decided I wanted to try something new. And, and, and our Donnelly, our ideas, we referred to ourselves, that opportunity presented itself. And I jumped in with both feet and um, stepped away from Ivy Tech, left you know a lot of great people there, but it was time for it was time for yeah. a change um, for sure. I think they needed a different, maybe a, a new perspective yeah. and a new approach to some things, and perfect time for me to transition away. Yeah. So, so one of the things I wanted to touch on during your time at Ivy Tech, you had a pretty cataclysmic event, um, and I know it's sometimes difficult to talk about, but maybe you know now that it's a little bit more in the rearview mirror, it's a little easier to talk about. Tell us what happened when you had your health event, if you will, a few years ago and, and how that changed your approach. Yeah. So um, 2018, uh, June 25th, so we're coming up on what would be four years from them. I was at – we had, we had just gotten back from vacation from, in California. Um, and that Monday, I'm back at work, and I didn't, I just, I didn't feel right. Uh, something didn't feel right about me, lightheaded. I'd left a meeting, and, um, well, lo and behold, I ended up having a heart attack while I was at work. Um, 
probably uh, at that moment that heart attack because there was a second heart attack. Spoiler alert! <laughs> um, that at that moment it was not a major. Uh, it was you know minor, and and uh, ambulances get there, and um, I get to the hospital. And they're putting, uh, you know, a stint into my heart. And while I'm on the the cath table, I had a, I went into cardiac arrest. So I had a second massive heart attack that actually stopped my heart, uh, had to be resuscitated, um, was on life support for three days um, in ICU. It was touch and go. Um, what, if, if, if I was going to recover. And I remember my cardiologist bedside with me uh, the f- first time I, I kind of woke up and at least, was it coherent enough to see there was someone in the room and I could, you know, hear them. And, um, he said, you had a massive heart attack and you're lucky to be alive. I'm like, Jeez. well, I want this guy to be my cardiologist because he's a straight shooter. <laughs> yeah. and he tells you the truth here. <laughs> yeah. Um, which he is still my cardiologist today. Um, but how did that change my life? I mean, for me, um, I, and I've spoken to companies, uh, but I spoke to the folks here at Asher about that and I've spoken to some other companies. Really what it did for me is I needed to reprioritize mm-hmm. things in my life. Yeah. And I think, um, Work was always my priority, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how much of a priority it was for me. Um, And I don't know if it was because I wanted to advance career-wise, or I just I wanted to do well at wherever I was. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, not that work's still not a priority, because it is, but I I, I reassessed kind of the order of my priorities, and I put some other things ahead of that, including, you know, eating more healthy, exercising. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're traveling on work, which I would, you and I would do it together. We drive around the state in Indiana. Yeah, we, you know, you both know we weren't eating healthy. I mean, we were stopping at drive-throughs here and there, and yeah. So you had to try to find a time to make sure you mm-hmm. ate healthy or brought food with you. So that priority, um, certainly, my faith and get myself back to church, which clearly must have. It still is impactful. It's been almost four years since I had the heart attack. I think I cry every time I'm still in church mm-hmm. to this day. Um, so, and then my kids and my family, and to make sure that um, I was positioning myself. Um, and our family to be successful going forward. Um, and then also, I, I think one of the takeaways in the recovery process that I learned from that, Anthony, and advice that I'd give to people is make sure you network and make contacts mm-hmm. wherever you're at mm-hmm. because it is amazing how much those people came back to check on me, pray for me, uh, reach out to me, people that I hadn't talked to in years. Yeah. Um, in fact, tomorrow I'm going to, to talk to one of them that I hadn't talked to in 50 year, 15 years who was an intern of mine that – adamantly wanted to come to the hospital and see me. The guy hadn't seen me in a decade. Yeah. Um, but I think that opened my eyes up to everybody that you that you interact with is important because mm-hmm. they're going to play a role at some point in your life. Yeah. You may just not know when that is. And for me, it was at the, after the heart attack. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing that because I think it's a message a lot of people need. And, you know, I certainly know it it helped me change my perspective in that same way. I still need to eat better, by the way. But um, certainly, you know, I remember a lot of weekends prior to that when you and I would be emailing each other on Saturday and Sunday. And you know, it's it, work is important, but you know, if if you don't have your health, you don't have you don't yeah, have. Yeah, if if your lap if your laptop is on the nightstand next to your bed, <laughs> yeah. then. I would I would encourage you to, to to reassess. Yeah, unless you're maybe the president or yes. yeah, but for yeah. you and me, we can we yeah, can wait. We can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> too many late night emails, too many late yeah. night conversations. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now I want to talk a little bit about RRD. You mentioned you know what what you're doing, but where are you spending the majority of your time, and what are some of the things that RRD does beyond print that are important for people to know about? Yeah. So a lot of my time right now, Anthony, is just again I talked about that networking. So now I'm networking nationally yeah. with different um, uh, 
sales reps across the country mm-hmm. who work at the, what, what, so what's neat about our idea is we have this national footprint. We're the largest, you know, printer in North America, this national footprint, but we have plants all throughout the country. So we have that, that, that local rep who's going to help you and work with you and be there. Um, in my case, in the higher ed space on campus to work with you. I'm getting to know all these different reps. Um, across the country, and then trying to work with them and strategize on what the best approach is to maybe um, either make some open up some new doors, like we say, um, to find some new logos, or to uh, expand our share of an existing logo um, in the higher ed space. Mm-hmm. Who are the right people to talk to? Is it the marketing person? Is it the graphic designer? Is it the vice chancellor of enrollment services? My subject matter expertise, having lived in that space, I have those conversations and help individuals research who those people are to talk to and then ultimately offer up my services to talk with those individuals not only a rep but then also that vice chancellor or vice president or maybe even a president on how rd can be a strategic partner with them Mm -hmm. um certainly you know this traction transactional business we do print this and print that but really where we differentiate ourselves we could be a strategic partner then talk about let's look at everything that you have to do and let's try to put together a program for you that's going to make sense that's going to make sure that we um, create efficiencies in the way that you operate Mm -hmm. obviously cost savings we bring a lot of value because of the fact that we have tons of resources so we're more than just print I mean we can take any of the campaigns that are done and turn them into digital formats Mm -hmm. we have email platforms we can take direct mail print pieces and track them so then they can turn into digital communications after that. Um, we have creative services. We have packaging. We have fulfillment. We have marketing. I mean, uh, you know, we have core pillars of which are your usual printing that everybody would be used to, um, marketing collateral, things like that. Uh, distribution, so fulfillment. Um, I mean, if you want to send things out to 100,000 people, we can do that. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it in drip campaigns where it's, well, every two weeks I need to send this out because this person raised their hand and said they want that, we do that. Um, Display units, signage, signage in arenas and athletic departments. Um, there's, I am amazed and blown away at how much RE does and the breadth of companies that we work with. And mm-hmm. as we like to, I would like to, you know, say to certainly larger colleges and universities out there, we work with major corporations across the country, and they rely on us mm-hmm. to try to generate them new customer leads. Um, why, why wouldn't you do the same from a from a college standpoint? Mm-hmm. It's the same type of business. Yeah. Um, so it's it's amazing how much work that we do. But today, right now, it's been focused on getting to know these reps and trying to work with them, just work with them closely. So what's the learning curve been like? You've been there for what now about four months? Yeah. And and <laughs> you you know you went from a job where you kind of knew what to expect. You had some surprises, but you knew what to expect. There was seasonality to it. And for the first time in you know eighteen years, you're jumping into a new job. What's been what's what has it been like learning to do a new job? Um. So th- that's that's kind of where uh, a comment I meant earlier, where I kind of assessed myself and said I have probably this three to five year window. Not not. I have a longer window to work, but three to five years where I'm willing to jump in and learn something completely new. Yeah. The benefit at RD was that I, I was a client of RD mm-hmm. when I worked at Ivy Tech. Yep. So I I knew a bit about some of the things they could do. Um, and we built a massive fulfillment operation, yeah. did 7.8 million communications a year out of there. So that helped. But um, yeah, I mean, it was like drinking through a fire hose yeah. for a couple of months. And I, I mean, my job is. Uh, remote. Uh, mm-hmm. My my uh, boss has been terrific, uh, terrific. Margo Yoner, who's in Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, a great leader, a great leader at, at RD. 
but that not having the person down the hall, that was a different and yeah. a change for me. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Um, not that I don't like having my boss, you know, down the hall, but I liked <laughs> the change. I liked the new, the new opportunity. Um, so it took a while, but then you're, you're working on new platforms. You're doing a lot on your own. You're teaching a lot on your own. There's a lot of training they offer, a lot of great training they offer that I've gone through and done, but you're still on your own. There's not somebody in the room next to you. Hey, did you understand that? What did you get from this? That was different for me, but you know, look, that that's, that's the world we're all living in now. Yeah. Um, and probably my guess is, you know, COVID probably accelerated mm-hmm. us all being into that world. Sure. So um, yeah, I'm good for me that I got to experience it the way I have with a very supportive system around me and the company that I work for. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the, you know, the value of building relationships and networking. What, what's it been like for you as, you know, you, you and I, let's face it, we're getting older. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting towards the, you know, the second half of our career, if I can be generous. What's it been like for you to see some of the people you worked with in the past kind of move into leadership roles and, and watch them kind of make their own way? Because I know there's a lot of folks from Ivy Tech and probably from your previous lives as well. What's that been like from your perspective? It's um, extremely rewarding. Um, I, I hope if if you were to ask some of the folks that I, you know, I may mention here in a minute, um, what do you remember about Jeff? What it, There's just something that they took away from. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, one that, there's one that I remember. Uh, don't tell me about the pain. Just show me the baby. <laughs> That's a fanerism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was certainly given to me by somebody else. Um, but no, you're right. Um, I, I think that it that, that you know I, I you know Anthony. There's some there's some people that have gone into great positions. I think about a Josh Rowitz who was an intern at Indiana University. He's now the president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, there's other interns that work at the NCA. Um, there's other folks who are now assistant athletic directors at schools across the country. Uh, Chris Sears, um, he works at William and Mary. He was like he was one of the first student assistants I hired myself at um, IU, and I hope Chris doesn't mind me. I didn't ask him I could tell the story. <laughs> he came into my office. Um, he had kind of a dyed blondish hair. Um, and it was like one of those first times you're interviewing someone who doesn't look just like you. Yeah. Okay, how am I going to react? How am I going to get used to this? <laughs> yeah. He's in a shirt and tie. I mean, he's, he, he leaves the building, and then I'm walking around Assembly Hall where my office was, where the Indiana plays basketball games. And I'm going around, and I see Chris leaving the building, and he's untucking his shirt, undoing <laughs> his tie, and I'm like, yeah, he's perfect. Um, so, but Chris is a, a, an assistant athletic director at William & Mary. Um, I hope... Something that they learned in working with me and, you know, Kelly Hoffler does great work, TriMedics. She, she worked at, um, at Ivy Tech. I hope there's a little something that took place in their experience in working with me. Look, I, I know I wasn't perfect. I know certainly I at times made many mistakes. But some they took away that they then work and put into their own job. Danny Campbell, who's a, uh, just got elevated into a position at school in Idaho, um, he, he often reaches out to me about things that he learned. But the, the thing that one thing that I'm really proud of is there are three sets of interns that worked for me during my time at IU or the, the ECAC who met each other, have gotten married, and have kids. And oh, well. married. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's three sets of them. Um, so, hey, if I 
you know, gave a nice environment for your, your wife to do, <laughs> and a long youth career path. Cool. And I still stay in touch to some level, yeah. um, you know, with, with all three of them. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, that that's a good transition into where we go into the speed round of the show. And the first question I want to ask you is, what's your best career advice? If, you know, your kids are getting to an age where they're going to be starting their own career soon, if you're talking to them or you're talking to a younger colleague about how to be fulfilled and succeed in your career, what would you say? Uh, network and not be afraid to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, w- certainly within the boundaries of your of your company. I mean, if 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 your boss isn't the president of the company, don't go set up an appointment with the president. <laughs> but figure out how you can network and meet other people within uh, that community. And don't be afraid to communicate um, and um, and ask questions. Um, so you ensure that you use the opportunity to learn. Because look, when someone hires you for for a job, as I and I've told this to, to people before. If the place of employment that you work in isn't giving you the same percentage or commitment that you're giving them, then, then think differently about the place and maybe explore another opportunity. Mm-hmm. So um, communicate, networking, and get to know people at the places that you work. All right. So if you were going to say one thing about the organization you work for that either you think deserves to be amplified, maybe isn't as well known as it should be, or a myth or misconception you want to clear up, could be about your company, could be about the print industry, any of that, what would you say? Well, the one in the print industry is not dead, and there's some people out there who feel it is. Yeah, I mean, they're just they're flat out wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, a quick example I'll give you, Anthony. When you're talking about recruitment from a college standpoint, if schools rely just on emails, you never reach the parent. Mm-hmm. How do you reach the parent? Well, it's in the mailbox at home. Yeah. Usually, it's them that gets the mail and they can see certain things and maybe inquire to their son or daughter. Oh, did you did you have an interest at this school? Or especially that sophomore year after you've taken that first. Um, standardized tests, which I know those are changing in the future, but to walk in and say, hey, look, School X is, is recruiting you. They're yeah. sending you stuff. So print's not dead, and it's not dead because when you look at all these other companies that we work with, Fortune 500 companies, I mean, they're doing a ton of it. And you all out there as consumers, you're digesting it every day. All the other digital stuff is extremely helpful um, yeah. and should be partnered together. Uh, as far as our company goes, I would suggest to you that we have platforms to do everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Everything uh, from the digital, if that's where your mind is, the creative standpoint to the print standpoint, we're more than just the largest printer in, in North America. I mean, I don't think people uh, realize and understand that about RD. And, and, you know, that's our, I know my responsibility to, to educate people that in the, in the education space, um, that, that we do more of that. All right. So one last question for you. In terms of how you work, what is one tip or trick or tool or hack, something that you use that you think deserves to be better known? Now, it could be something really simple. doesn't necessarily need to be a technology tool. But what's something you think other professionals should know about? Well, I, so for me, and this is where that drink through the firehouse, <laughs> we utilize Salesforce uh-huh. at, um, at RD. And I would suggest to anybody, whether it's Salesforce or Slate or any other CRM mm-hmm. that's out there, Get to know those tools because the currency that it's going to bring with you as you move along in your career, it's the future of what we're all going to, many of us will work in. Is It's going to be the platform of how we're going to communicate with individuals because there's more trackability to it, there's more insight to it because more and more people and companies are talking to the same individuals and you need insight to try to figure out its own, so talk to so-and-so before or after that. So for me, uh, you know, my... My platform that I've spent a lot of time trying to learn about is, is Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great, powerful tool, um, but only powerful if you know how to use it and use it the right way. Yeah, and it comes back to what you said earlier about relationships. You know, one of the 
One of the things someone told me not too long ago is they said, you know, people don't care how you remember stuff about them. They just care that you do remember stuff about them. So it's not cheating if it's in a CRM. You know, it's it's a way to access information that you otherwise have to carry around in your head. And you can only carry so much around in your head, or at least I know I can. Well, and for my health thing, too, I'll tell you, Fitness Pal, Anthony, is one of my, <laughs> is one of my apps that helped me uh, track and log my food. So I figured out just what my intake was every day because so much of your health is dependent uh, on what what you put into your body so yeah all right well that's that's maybe the most important one of all well and i'm, I'm glad you're still alive yeah, glad you're doing alive. well you're looking great and thanks for doing this Thank appreciate you. it appreciate the opportunity yep and thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this episode of the asher marketing podcast we'll be back next week with another great guest and we hope you'll join us then <laughs>